Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Welcome to Silver to Baptist Church. It's so awesome to see all of you here worshiping with us today. I'd like to welcome all of you here to Bonnie Oaks campus. I'd like to also welcome those of you that are at our um, Creekside service or North Utawa campus, St. Elmo campus, and all of you that may be worshiping online. If I haven't had a chance to meet you personally, I'm Tony Wallister. I'm one of the pastors here at Silverdale. And today I have the privilege to share with you God's Word. So this is what I encourage you to do. Go and take your Bibles and open up in the New Testament to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you have a smartphone, you got a Bible app, you can open that up to 1 Corinthians 3 as well. And then do this, take out these Bible study outlines that we provide for you. We give you these so you can follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. And we are in a series where we're studying through the book of 1 Corinthians. And the name of this series is Victory in Chaos. And what we've discovered is that the church in Corinth is surrounded with a whole lot of chaos going on in their culture. And we got a lot of chaos going on in our culture. But also, there was chaos going on in that church. There was a lot of bickering and backbiting and gossiping and, you know, strife that was happening. And we, we found out last week, the Apostle Paul said, I can't even talk to you like spiritual people because you're so carnal. You're so worldly. You're thinking the wrong way. And I believe that part of the reason why they were thinking the wrong way is oftentimes the way that Christians in America think the wrong way. And it's because we believe this simple lie, and it goes like this. Because Jesus has forgiven us of all of our sins, we can live any way we want to. Right? I mean, you know, since Jesus has forgiven us, I can basically do whatever I want to. Now, now I know he doesn't want me to do that, but basically, you know what? He's forgiven, he's covered it all, so I can live any way I want to. And the Apostle Paul is saying, No, that's not true. Because even as Christians, we will give an account to him. We will have our own judgment day. You see, you know, many of you probably watch, you know, um, these shows on television, talent shows like America's Got Talent or The Voice or things like that. And typically what you have, you have a panel of experts. And they may be Heidi and Howie or Simon or Blake or Gwen or John, but they have these panel of experts and they judge, right? And then, based on their judgment, then America gets to vote. Well, here's the deal. You and I, we're going to have a judgment day, but it's not going to be by a panel of experts. It's not going to be you get to vote for me and I get to vote for you or America gets to vote for us or not vote for us or cancel us or not. No, no. We are judged by one who knows us better than anyone else. And that's not Judge Judy, that's Judge Jesus, okay? 
And so we're going to stand before the Lord one day. And so Jesus, whenever he was here, he taught a lot about that, how he was going to be our final judge. Check it out. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, for the Son of Man, that's Jesus' title for himself, is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay. It's almost like a reward, what you earn. Repay each person according to what he has done. And so there's going to be this judgment day. And basically, you know, if you look at the readings of Jesus, uh, the teachings of Jesus Christ, you'll discover that Jesus over and over again motivated us to serve him and follow him. Why? Because of future rewards. Now, you and I, obviously, there's some blessings by serving the Lord right now, right? Right now in this life. But did you know that the primary motivation we have to follow and serve Jesus is going to be some future reward? Now, a lot of us, we look at our life and say, okay, I've had this big event in my life or that big event in your life. But can I tell you the biggest day of your life is in the future, It's going to be the day that you stand before the Lord. That is your biggest day, and that's what the Apostle Paul is going to be teaching in our passage today. It is our judgment seat. It's the judgment seat that Christians will be at. The Apostle Paul talks about this all the way through his epistles. Let me just give you one example. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due. Okay, so we're talking about primarily rewards here. It's not sin, it's rewards. Do us in the things done while we were in the body, whether good or bad. Now, some Christians will go, now, wait a minute, Pastor Tony, I thought as Christians, Jesus Christ has taken the punishment for our sins. Absolutely. I mean, the fact is, is the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that on the cross, Jesus paid it all? right? It is finished on the cross, so our sin debt has been paid in full on the cross. So this judgment that we're talking about has nothing to do with your sin. This is not a judgment of sin. This is a judgment of your works. This is almost like a job performance review, all right? And so we're going to stand before the Lord, and we're going to go through this review. It's going to be a time of testing. And that's what the Apostle Paul writes about in our next text in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to read this, and then we're going to go back and break it apart little by little. Verse 11, Paul writes this, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, that's judgment day, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work, again, we're not talking about sin here, what kind of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through the fire. And so you and I, we're going to have this day with Jesus Christ. And it's critical that you and I are prepared for this day. And so I want to give you three key principles that I want you to jot down on your outlines to prepare you for this day. Ready? Number one is this. First of all, the testing of your foundation. The testing of your foundation. We all know that a building's foundation is critical, right? Well, in this chapter, Paul has said that you as a Christian are the temple of God. You're the temple of God's Holy Spirit, and you have this foundation. And what is the foundation of your faith? It is none other than Jesus Christ. 
Now, we know that foundations are important. If you've ever built anything before, you know you've got to get the right foundation. Um, here on our Bonnie Oaks campus, the soil around here is not very good. It's, it's just, it just wasn't. In fact, whenever years ago, whenever our church built the chapel, they discovered a little spring underneath where they wanted to build it. So they actually poured a lot of concrete in that spring. You can't do that today, okay? <laughs> and, but that's what they did uh, to get, make sure they had a good foundation. Um, we have a three-story education building, and whenever they started that, they go, oh my goodness, the soil is terrible here, and they built that on what's called a concrete pier foundation, that it's like 20-foot concrete piers that went down all the way to bedrock, and they have like 100 of them, very expensive, but that was the foundation that we have to build on. I mean, probably the most famous building that has a bad foundation is the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? I mean, it's a bell tower for a church, and it wasn't built on the right foundation. And so now what's happening is it is basically 13 feet off center. And it continues to lean and eventually it will fall down. Why? Because it has a bad foundation. Well, you and your faith has to have a foundation as well. It better be Jesus Christ. In fact, notice how the Apostle Paul says this in um, the next verse. He says this. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is, say it out loud. Jesus Christ. He's got to be your foundation. It's not the church. It's Jesus Christ. It's not church membership. It's Jesus Christ. It's not some religion. It's Jesus Christ. It's not your parents, not how moral you are. It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You better have the foundation of Jesus Christ. And, and listen, if you are not sure if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, get that right. Because you will not survive the judgment without the foundation of Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul often will tell Christians, man, you need to evaluate yourself. See whether or not you really are a Christian or not. Notice how Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Has there ever been that point in your life where you surrendered, you repented, you turned from yourself, you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, and now Christ lives in you? That's what Paul's saying. Make sure you pass that test. You've got to have the foundation of Jesus Christ. Let me explain it like this. Whenever I travel um, overseas, typically on a mission trip, one thing that I always bring with me is this right here, a passport, okay? Can't leave the country, can't get back in the country without a passport. Now, here's the deal. These are very valuable overseas. A lot of people want American passports. And so I'll put them in this little pouch here, and I have this pouch, and I'll put it around my neck, and I typically put it inside my shirt, and I wear it everywhere because I don't want anybody stealing my passport. And I'll take it off just for a second to shower, but then immediately I put it back on because I want my passport. Because if you've ever been overseas in a third world country, you will love the USA, right? And there's times when I'm overseas that I'll go, Okay, I still got it. I can go home. All right, I can still go home. This is awesome, right? Okay, why? Because I got a passport. Where your passport into heaven is Jesus Christ. He's got to be the foundation of your life. If you don't have Jesus, folks, this ain't the judgment you're going to be at. You're going to be at another judgment. It's the end of book Revelation. You find this other judgment. It's the judgment for non-believers. It's called the great white throne judgment. Notice how it's described. It says this, I saw a great white throne, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open, and 
That's where everybody was judged out of those books. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, I don't know about you, I don't want to be at that judgment. And I don't think you want to be at that judgment. But you better make sure you got the right foundation. You go, well, how, do you, how can you get your name in the book of life? Well, it's called the Lamb's book of life. Jesus Christ has got to become your lamb. He's got to become your savior. He's got to become your Lord. And in that moment, that's whenever your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so the first test you've got to follow is just make sure I got the right foundation. Jesus Christ is my Lord, okay? That's the first. Then there's a second thing that you need to examine, and it's this. Jot this down. It is the testing of your works. The testing of your works. And that's the primary thing that the Apostle Paul is going to be talking about in our passage today is your works. See, what's sad is a lot of Christians, they have this mindset. Well, I'm saved and forgiven, so I'm done. No. You're saved, so now you've begun, right? God didn't save you so you can just sit and soak. No, God saved you so that you will now serve. I mean, think about it. Can you imagine if you went to great lengths and you poured this amazing foundation and it just sat empty on the middle of some field? You go, what a waste, Well, that's the way some Christian lives are. They got the foundation of Jesus and nothing's built on it. Or maybe, you know what, we build on it, but it's, you know, short of shoddy work, right? You know, build with cardboard boxes, right? No, no, no. We got to build with quality. That's what Paul's talking about. Look at how he describes this in verse 12. And he says this. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, that's Jesus, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day, judgment day, will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort, what quality of work each one has done. Now we read that and we go, okay, my life is gonna be manifested. And so many times we'll ask, you know, Pastor Tony, is that gonna be a private viewing? Just me and Jesus? Because I know Jesus knows my junk, but I don't want all of heaven to see my junk. Well, I don't know. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us one or another. But the Bible does say this, that there will be a revealing one day. One day, your life is going to be tested. Not only just the foundation, but the works of your lives. And think of it. If you have a beautiful foundation of Jesus Christ, doesn't it presuppose that you've got a magnificent building that's going to be built on it? That's what Paul's saying. Hey, gold, silver, precious stones. The quality of our work is going to be exposed. I think of it this way. You know the Statue of Liberty. When France gave America the Statue of Liberty, that was before airplanes or airships. And so they didn't know if anybody was ever going to see the top of Lady Liberty. And yet they went to great lengths with incredible detail and skill. They could have just, you know, smoothed it out or given her a flat top or whatever. They go, no, we're going to make it look majestic and amazing because one day somebody may see it well guess what one day your life is going to be revealed Christ is going to reveal it to you now most of you know that I grew up on a farm in Florida it was a pig farm okay and on that farm I did a lot of building you would build a lot of fences build a lot of barns rebuild a lot of fences rebuild a lot of barns I mean you know what pigs will wreak havoc on fences now, my older brother, Carl, he's a perfectionist. And when we build something, that board better be level, that fence better be straight, okay? And so I would build something, you know, and later on my brother would come by and, and check on me and he would, you know, determine the quality of my work. And if it wasn't up to his standards, you know what he would do? He'd say, you need to take that all down and rebuild it. And I'm like, what? What? 
And sometimes I would rebuild it, but sometimes I'd get so mad at him that I'd say, Carl, this is just a pig farm. This is good enough for pigs, right? And he, that would get all over him. He goes, no, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. Okay, you perfectionist, right? Well, the thing is, is that the quality of our life is one day going to be revealed. And I don't know what happened along the way through Christian centuries that somehow Christians started thinking that you could give God your leftovers, that you could just live your life any old way you wanted to, and you know what, you can give God just whatever, right? No, this ain't a pig farm. This is the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, I mean, I'm not the best teacher, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you my best every week. In our, in our church, I want us to have the best worship and the best small groups and the best children's ministry and, and student ministry and marriage ministry. I want us to have the best. Why? For our glory? No, I believe that's what Jesus is worth. He, he's worth our quality. And so the testing of our faith is going to happen, our works. And you go, okay, what's the measurement? Well, two things I believe biblically it's going to be, determine our quality. Number one is this. First of all, the permanence test. Is what we're doing just temporary or does it have an eternal impact? Is what I'm doing just temporary? It's going to get burned up or, or will this have some kind of eternal impact? Paul talks about that with what the building materials are made of. Look again what he says, verse 12. He says, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, that is permanent materials, or wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. You see, wood, hay, straw, what's going to happen? That goes through the fire, it gets all burned up. But you have gold, silver, precious stones, they go through the fire and they actually get more purified by it. Now, I've got to be honest, every time I read this passage, I'm reminded of the children's story, Three Little Pigs. You remember that story, right? Three Little Pigs. You have this mama sow and she sends these three of her kids out and they build their own homes. And you have one kid, one pig that's just, you know, lazy, wants to party all the time. And so what does he do? He just puts together a little house of straw, right? And then you have the second, you know, pig and he's a little bit more industrious and he just picks up a bunch of sticks and he makes a house of sticks, and then you have the third pig, and he actually decides, I'm going to build my house with quality material. I'm going to use bricks. And it's a good thing because the big bad wolf comes, blows down the first two houses, and they run to the third house. Why? Because it was made with the right materials. Well, here's the deal. Big bad wolf is coming. Judgment day is coming, and it's going to test the quality of each one of our works. How have we been living our life before the Lord? right? And you go, in what where areas? Well, your time. I mean, think about it. I mean, we don't have a problem at all spending two hours watching a game, a football game, right? Or, or you know what? We don't have, you know, any problem at all binge watching some series on Netflix. And yet, oh my goodness, I can't find 30 minutes to read the word and to pray. Do you understand temporary versus eternal? Or you know what, we, we can find the time to make that trip or, or make that sacrifice, but oh no, I, I can't, I just, I can't serve anywhere in church. Or finances, yeah, okay, yeah, I want my house to be the showplace home or I want this nice car, right? But give to the kingdom of God and tithe, oh no, I can't, I, there's no way I could afford anything like that. 
And what's the American dream? The American dream is to retire one day. And boy, when I retire, then I'll have time. I'm going to get my golf game in, in check, right? It's going to be awesome. How about, you know, when you retire, you've got more time to serve the Lord and go on mission trips and serve the city, right? Now, see, there's nothing wrong with watching football or television or having a nice home or playing golf. I'm not saying that. But you need to evaluate. Is your life just a bunch of temporary stuff? And that's the pursuit of your life. One day, it's all going to, boom, burn up. Why? Because it's temporary. There's a second measurement for our works, and it's this, the motive. The motive. Who am I doing this for? Who exactly am I serving? Am I doing this for? Jesus talked a lot about this. In Matthew chapter 6, notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Now, Jesus said that, you know what? You and I, we will experience rewards in heaven. For what? For our service, for our prayer, for our fasting, um, for our giving. Jesus said, even if you give a cup of cold water in his name, there's an eternal reward for that. There's so much of your life that you will be rewarded one day for as long as you're doing it for his glory and not your glory. And you're doing it so that he can be honored, not so other can pat you on the back and go, oh, you're such a good person. Years ago, I read this story of this news reporter who was given an assignment to cover a mine disaster. Apparently, there's a mine collapse and several miners that were caught inside. And so he goes to the site, and um, whenever he gets there, you know, he and his camera guy are getting the cameras out and trying to get them rolling. But before they're able to do that, they notice that there's a, a group of family that's over there, and they're gathered together, they're singing a song, and then the pastor just prays this simple but powerful prayer over this family. And then finally, whenever he's done, the news reporter goes over there, and he says, hey, we weren't able to capture that with a camera, but we now got the cameras ready. Pastor, could you pray that prayer again for the cameras? And the pastor said, no, I, I can't do that. And he goes, why not? I mean, we represent 126 stations. And he goes, look, that prayer was to God and for that family. I'm not going to pray it again for the camera. You know what you call that? Integrity, right? And see, God knows why we do what we're doing. And Jesus says if you do it with the right motive, you get a reward. Look at it. Look what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 4. Your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Which then leads to this final principle. So the Apostle Paul says, hey, get the foundation right. You need to know that your life's work is going to go through a testing time. And then as a result, there's going to be rewards. So jot that down. The receiving of rewards. You will receive rewards based on your life and how you've lived your life. Now again, this is not a judgment of sin. This is a judgment of service. This is not a time of condemnation. This will be time of commendation. This is not about a rebuke. This is about a reward. This is not about punishment. This is about praise, okay? And so what's going to happen? One day, you're going to receive a, an award, a reward from the Lord. Now, as Americans, we love awards and award shows, right? And, and you know, you have a great movie, you get an Oscar, TV wins the Emmys, you know, music, you got a Grammy, you know, sports, you have the ESPY. And you know what? Probably most of us would look at those human awards and go, wow, if I ever won one of those, that would be the highlight of my life, right? 
But can I tell you something? One day, whenever you stand before the Lord and he rewards you, that's going to be the highlight of your life. In fact, notice how this is written. Paul says this in verse 14. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation, that's Jesus, survives, he will receive a reward. Think of that. One day you're going to be standing before the Lord, probably kneeling. And then he's going to look at you with his piercing, loving eyes. And he's going to reach to you with his nail-pierced hands and he's going to have a crown, a reward, and he's going to put it on your head and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Can I tell you something? It's going to be worth it all in that moment. I mean, in that moment, you're going to go, oh my goodness, this is the greatest day of my life. Now, some Christians will say, well, if I'm in heaven, that's going to be great enough reward. No, it's not. You're going to long for it. You're going to wish you had that reward. In fact, Jesus tells a lot about that. He tells several parables about this very thing. One long one is called the parable of the talents. Remember that story? The story goes like this. You have a master. His name's Jesus. And he has servants. That's you. And the master gives his servants certain numbers of talents based on their abilities, which is good news because I'm not judged based on your abilities and you're not judged based on my abilities, okay? And then, based on those abilities, like what? Okay, like your time, your talents, your treasures, your opportunities, you have your life, you're living in a certain way, and so one day you are man- you're managing your life for whose glory? For his glory. And then one day... Jesus comes again to settle accounts. That's what Jesus talks about. Look at Matthew chapter 25. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents and said, master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. That's what I want to hear one day, okay? That I've taken the time, the opportunities that God has given me, and Jesus says to me, well done. You've managed these things well for the kingdom of God. And and so you go, okay, well, why is this so important? Because here's the deal. A lot of Christians, they think that heaven is going to be basically us sitting on some cloud, playing a harp, singing to Jesus. Can I tell you something? That would be more like hell to me, all right? That's not what we're going to be doing. We are going to have responsibilities for all eternity. And what you do at this moment, at that time, at the judgment, that's when you will determine, that's whenever you'll find out what you're going to be doing for all eternity. You see, this life right now is on-the-job training for your eternal life. Again, notice how Jesus says this in verse 21. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. In other passages, I'm going to put you in charge of many cities. The Bible says that we're going to rule and reign with Christ. We'll oversee the angelic host. You're going to have a responsibility. You're going to have a job for all eternity, and this judgment day will determine what that will be. Now, folks, if that's true, and the Bible teaches this, then, man, I don't want to waste my life. I don't even want to waste one day because everything we do is going to determine something for all eternity. Now, you may go, okay, what about the Christian that doesn't serve well, that wastes his life? 
Well, Jesus addresses that guy. Look at how he's described. Thankfully, he's not the majority, okay? But there are some. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 25. His master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. Take the talent from him and give to the one that has 10 talents. Now, I don't know about you. Whenever I stand before Jesus, I don't want him to say, Tony, you evil, lazy servant. No, I don't want to hear that, right? I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, right? And so do you. You see, the Apostle Paul, he addressed this same issue at the very end of his passage in 1 Corinthians 3. Notice how Paul talks about it. He says this in verse 15. Okay, we just saw the awards for those that did well. Well, what about the person that doesn't? If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only is through the fire. Now, we can all focus on different words in that verse. Some people will go, I'm saved. Other people are like, suffer loss? Right, what's that all about? Well, let me put it to you like this. Imagine you're in your house and you wake up in the middle of the night and you were, the place is engulfed in flames. You're surrounded by flames and smoke. You got no time to rescue anything in your house, no possessions. You got no time to even go down the hall and rescue your kids. You got no time to even rescue your spouse. You are literally, you jump through the, the, the window and as you jump through the window, you're patting fire off of you because you just barely made it through the fire. And then you're standing in the front yard and you're looking at your house as it collapses in flames and everything that you hold so precious is just burned up around you. In that moment, what's gonna come out of your mouth? Is it gonna be, woohoo, I'm saved? Or will it be, oh my goodness, I've suffered loss. Paul said some Christians are gonna go through this judgment and they will feel and suffer Lost. There's going to be regret in that moment, probably some tears. Now, you may go, Pastor Tony, I thought that there are no tears in heaven. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that in Revelation 21, Revelation 20 is the judgment, Revelation 21, God will wipe away all of our tears. Probably some of those tears are from the judgment we just went through, but thankfully the Lord wipes them all away. And, and so it's the same way with you and I. We need to understand that one day, we will stand before the Lord and we will give an account of our lives. And so make sure you're ready for that day. Make sure you have the right foundation of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's the day, folks. But maybe you're here and you've just been drifting through life and you haven't really been passionate for the Lord. It's time to realize that what you do now affects what you'll be doing for all eternity serve the Lord and watch him reward you for that service. Because I don't know about you, one day, you know what I hear? I wanna hear the Lord say to me, well done, good and faithful servant, and so do you. Now what we're gonna do next is we're going to take communion. Jesus has given us a meal to renew our faith. And in our church, we do this every month to remind us of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so you can take out the elements of communion. Hopefully you received those when you came in. But let me just remind you what this stands for. <clears throat> the bread symbolizes Jesus's body that was broken for us. And the juice symbolizes Jesus's blood that is shed for us. But this meal isn't just a meal of remembrance, remembering what Jesus did. This is also a meal of renewal. 
Because the Bible says that before we take communion, we need to examine ourselves. We need to have a moment of prayer and renew our faith. We're almost like renewing our vows to the Lord. And so I'm going to pray in just a second. And during this time of prayer, I'm just going to encourage you. You ask the Lord, Lord, reveal to me the sins that have crept into my heart that I need to repent of. Or maybe there's priorities in my life that I just, I'm going to set my priorities a different way. And so let's, let's prepare our hearts for communion even now. Would you join me? Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for your amazing grace. If it wasn't for the foundation of what you've done for us, we could not stand. But because of your incredible love, we're able to come boldly into your presence. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we don't want to just go through motions and eat some bread and juice. God, we want to encounter you. And so even in this moment, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts and help us respond in preparing our hearts for communion. I pray this in Jesus' name. Now just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Just talk to the Lord and ask the Lord to prepare your heart for communion right now. Let's do that. Thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for casting them as far as the east is from the west. Thank you for renewing our heart. Lord, we want to commune with you even now. And so, Lord Jesus, may your very real presence be with us as we take communion. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room... He took bread. It was Passover, so it was unleavened bread like this. And unleavened bread represented sinlessness. And Jesus said, this is my body. Jesus' body was completely sinless. And he gave it for the sinners. He said, it's broken for you. So now take and eat in remembrance of Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you that your body was broken so that we could be made whole. And God, you know every person in this room. You know their struggles. You know the area of brokenness. Lord, maybe broken bodies or broken minds or broken hearts or broken souls. They have addictions, broken relationships. God, you know everything that's broken in this room. But Lord, as we are even putting the broken body of Christ in our body. I'm praying for your healing, your wholeness, your recovery, your, your grace, your power. You would take what is broken and make it whole even now. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And then 
Jesus took the fruit of the vine, and he says, I'll not drink this again till I drink it anew with you in the kingdom of God. Good news, news folks, Jesus is coming again. We're going to celebrate this with a new meal, the marriage supper of the Lamb with Jesus Christ. But until that day, Jesus says, I want you to take this. This is the blood of the new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink in remembrance of Christ now. Again, Lord Jesus, thank you for your life given to us. Life is always in the blood. And so, Lord, fill us with your spirit, with your life, your joy, your power, your victory. Every victory is yours. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the foundation of Jesus Christ. We may blow it. We may not have the best building materials, but Jesus, you never fail. You are the foundation that we can live our lives on. When the world crumbles around us, you will stand strong. Help us even now to praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.